Good morning, North Point family, and good morning to you who have joined us online. For the past few weeks, we have been looking at a series of messages titled Psalms for the Summer, a series of messages that encourages us to be intentional about taking time to praise God as we enjoy the warmest season of the year. Now, some of us have had the opportunity or will have the opportunity to go camping this summer. Others of us have or will have the opportunity to go for a walk in the park or go for a drive in the mountains. As we venture out to enjoy new or familiar sights, God's Word encourages us to take time to ponder on God's creation. Turning in our Bibles to Psalm 65, the psalmist David reminds us that God's creation inspires us to praise God. So starting at verse 1, we read, Praise awaits you, O God, in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. O you who hear prayer, to you all men will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome deeds of righteousness, O God our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. Those living far away fear your wonders, where morning dawns and evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and you water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain. For so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and you bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the desert overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. The first five verses in Psalm 65 draws attention to those of us who believe in God as their creator, those who have put their faith and their trust in God, yet are needing a visual reminder of God's greatness. Do you need a visual reminder of God's greatness this morning? Well, one way to see God's greatness and give Him praise is to look at creation, which declares the breathtaking power of God. We read in verses 6 to 8, You formed the mountains by your power. Having armed yourself with strength, you still the roaring of the seas, the roaring of the waves, and the turmoil of the nation. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. 
I remember the first time that our family came out west to see the Rocky Mountains. It was breathtaking, beyond description. Or the first time we drove out to the Pacific Coast. You know, we had never seen the ocean before, and it was captivating, to say the least, especially when I thought about fishing the waters, knowing that there would be some mighty big fish to catch. Yet, as breathtaking as the mountains are, and as captivating as the ocean view is, the psalmist encourages us in verse 6 to look beyond the panoramic view and see God's power. How many of us have at some point in time climbed a mountain only to get to the top and feel like you were on top of the world or body surf the ocean waves as if you were a feather in the wind? Well, no matter if we look at the mountains or view the expanse of the oceans, God's power is at work before our very eyes. And yet there is so much more one can consider about the awe-inspiring power of God in creation. As the psalmist says in verse 8, the whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. For example, we are told that the earth spins over 1,600 kilometers per hour at the equator while moving over 96,000 kilometers an hour around the sun. And yet, we feel none of this motion. And then there's the moon to consider. We're told that the moon is, is the nearest celestial body to Earth. It is approximately 3,400 kilometers in diameter, roughly the size of the United States. The moon orbits at an average distance of 380 kilometers from the Earth. We are told that it takes the moon roughly one month to orbit the Earth. In fact, this is where we get the idea of a month. According to Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, one of the reasons God created the celestial bodies was to be for signs and seasons and days and years. In other words, the moon helps us mark the passage of time. It continually orbits the Earth every month with clockwork precision. As we ponder over some of God's creation, such as the mountains and the oceans and the earth and the moon, we realize that it's, it's impossible to fully grasp the power demonstrated by God. But then, this is exactly where God wants us to be in our understanding of his great power. You see, friends, God doesn't want us to fully grasp his power. He wants us to be dumbstruck, memorized by his great power so that we know that he is so much greater than the limitations we place on ourselves and the world we live in. Uh, one way to see God's greatness and give him praise is to take time to look at creation which declares the breathtaking power of God. Now, another way to see God's greatness is, and give him praise is to look at creation which declares God's provision. We read in verses 9 to 11, you care for the land and you water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God 
are filled with water to provide the people with grain. For so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows or its trenches, and you level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty, and your carts overflow with abundance. David declares in verse 9 that it is God who visits the earth and waters it. For we read, you care for the land and water it. I think that it's safe to say that rain, like so much of God's creation, can be taken for granted. Yet there is in creation a design that God puts in place that leads to rain dropping from the clouds. In other words, there is far more to be said about rain than it's, well, it's raining outside, or I wish that it would rain. Uh, for example, we know that rain is recycled water. Water comes from the ocean, the seas, the rivers that is heated by the sun. We know that the heated water evaporates into the air as vapor. Rising air currents raise the vapor up into the atmosphere until the cooler temperatures condense it. The condensed water vapor forms clouds. As clouds move around the skies, they collide, grow, and start falling out of the sky as precipitation in the form of rain or snow, hail or sleet. The falling water eventually gets back to the various water bodies around the earth, and thus the cycle begins once more. Now, I apologize to those of us who may think that this morning's message appears to be more a science lesson than a sermon from God's Word. And yet I share some of these very basic facts with us this morning to help us ponder the brilliance and the power of God who is behind what we can so easily regard as a natural phenomenon. The psalmist David reminds us in verses 9 to 11 that this is also true of the food that we eat. We read that the streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain. For you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and you level its ridges. You soften it with showers and you bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. <clears throat> when Roxanne and I were living in North Africa, we would drive through parts of the desert where it was sandy and dry and little or no vegetation whatsoever. But then we would come to a piece of land that had miles of trenches that provided water for the crops that flourished to feed the people for miles around. You know, it's easy to go to the market, or in our case, a supermarket, and buy what we need without giving much thought to the wonder behind the foods that we eat. I remember how our granddaughter, when she was no more than, oh, probably five or six years of age, was baffled to find out that the chicken you buy from the grocery store is the same chicken that she pictured running around in the farmer's yard. It never dawned on her that they are one of the same. Now, I chuckle at the thought of this awakening 
that our granddaughter had, yet it is a vivid picture of how we can so easily overlook or take for granted or take credit for the groceries we buy or the food we eat as we sit down at our dinner table. Up to now, we have been encouraged to see God's greatness as we look at creation, which declares the breathtaking power of God. We've also been encouraged to see God's greatness as we look at creation, which declares God's provision. And lastly, we see God's greatness, for which we are to give him praise as we look at creation as an expression of praise to God. We read in verses 12 and 13, the grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. They shout for joy and sing. Have you ever stopped to think that grass and flowers, birds are actually singing praise to God? Sometime back, I was sharing some thoughts with Roxanne when she suddenly stopped me and said, listen, do you hear that? The birds are singing praise to God. There's a beautiful little book called the, the Chapter of Song in which Hebrew sages or scholars tell us that every part of creation sings its unique song of praise to God. Within this book, these sages compose each song of creation using one or more verses of scripture. For instance, the earth declares that it and its fullness belong to God. The stars, they proclaim that God alone made the heavenly hosts. The ant says that it shows the lazy person how much can be accomplished if he or she will but utilize the gifts that God has given them. Friends, this is what the psalmist is referring to when he says in verse 13 that the grasslands and the hills and the meadows and the valleys, they shout for joy and sing. God would have us know that nature is more than a playground for us to enjoy. Nature is meant to be a prompting, it's a, an encouragement, an uh, inspirational invitation for us to join in giving praise to God. We, however, are the key ingredient in that creation mix of praise. We are meant to become the conductor of creation's symphony song of praise to God. There is a verse in the Bible which goes so far as to say that creation is waiting for us to step forward and lead the rest of creation in a praiseful response to God. It's found in Romans 8, 19, where we read, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Now, Romans 8, 19 is a prophetic word that tells of a day when in Christ all of creation will come together and in one accord worship Christ as King of kings and as Lord of lords. Christ who will bring 
heaven and earth together in perfect harmony to the glory of Father God. However, the prophetic word is an invitation to take the initiative now as followers of Jesus as we await that glorious day. Friends, let's join creation in expressing our praise to God as we declare his power and his provision. I encourage us over the summer months to take time not just to enjoy God's creation, but friends, let's give creation opportunity to inspire us to praise God. Now, I wrote down a few suggestions that come to mind as to promptings that would help us to, <clears throat> excuse me, not just enjoy creation, but, but uh, allow creation to inspire us in our worship of God. So, for example, instead of watching Netflix or scrolling through Facebook this afternoon, load up the kids in a wagon, um, if they're small enough, or pack a snack and take a walk. Keep a nature journal. Try sketching and adding watercolors later. Look at the names of everything you study and write them out. Remember, Adam was given the task of naming all of the animals, recognizing, remem remembering the names given uh, to the things of creation can actually help us appreciate their intrinsic value. Watch an anthill. Hold a snail in your hand. Lie on a blanket and watch the clouds float past. Do this with your children or someone else's children. You know, children have a way of noticing what we can easily overlook. Read books by nature lovers such as Annie Dillard, uh, James Harriet, and Gerald Durrell. Their personal passion may ignite your interest in animals and living things in ways you never thought possible. And if possible, install a bird bath or hang a, a bird feeder and keep it filled and keep a log of the birds that, that visit. Eat outside whenever possible. Throw a blanket on the ground if you don't have a picnic table. And lastly, admire your family in their beauty and their complexity. Gaze upon a sleeping baby. Marvel at a young swimmer diving into a pool. God created humankind, and it was very good. Let's give God praise throughout these summer months as we enjoy the creation that he has blessed us with. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your creation. And Dad, we apologize for taking it for advantage or even just merely enjoying it and not going the next step in giving you praise, being inspired by your handiwork to, to sing out uh, songs of, of praise to you. I was just thinking as I was uh, meditating on this morning's message, uh, Dad, about you know going out into an open field and looking at the flowers and looking at the the grassland, and saying, okay, you are created by the living God. I am created by the living God. And that God has ordained that we together praise God. You praise God with your beauty, and I will attempt to praise God 
with my voice. Let's sing together. Let's give God glory for his brilliance and wisdom and power and provision. And so I pray, God, that you would inspire us uh, today, throughout the days ahead, to take advantage of your creation as an opportunity to be inspired to give you praise. We love you. We are grateful for how you continue to watch over us in these days that yet lie ahead. In Christ's name, amen.